And it's, it's so possible where slingshot makers in remote parts of Germany and Austria can build massive businesses. I think everyone has a shot. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? Today on the podcast, Jonathan and I are going to talk about something I've been wanting to nerd out on for a while, and it is getting into the details of these brands, these companies, these software products that have burst onto the scene and exploded because of one reason. It's because they have a celebrity and influencer. They have an unfair advantage with some person that brings to that company an insane following and also a little bit of like brand power. So we've got, I don't know, we'll call it 10 examples of, you know, influencers, celebrities, creators that turned their audience into dollars in creative ways. Because, I mean, if you think about it, this is kind of the smart fast track to customer acquisition. We work with a lot of companies. The problem people always run into at the end of the day is top of funnel. How do I get more people, more customers, more clients? And one way to hack that is, Get a person that already has an audience that you can direct to your product where there's alignment. And that's a shortcut to acquire customers. And I think these are examples of companies that have done it really well. Yeah, I think if there's like a cheat code or like, you're right, like a smart cut that any person or company could use it through the identifying that way, like that trick to getting distribution, to building an audience. And I think the first time people meet you, if you introduce yourself in a way that you have a unique identity, you're differentiated, and you have that, you know, your own audience. I think that's definitely a massive advantage. And we see this with clients all the time. Like this is the number one roadblock that almost all companies face. And all the examples we'll cover today have clearly shown that, you know, the ability to first create an audience that's very differentiated and then monetize it in the most creative ways possible. So excited to talk about it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's dive in. And then at the very end, let's do our takeaways of like well, what we learned from this. So let's start with the big gun. Let's start with Ryan Reynolds, right? So we'll kind of list off some of these accolades and then get into the details. So Ryan Reynolds, he's an actor, he's in Deadpool, he's in a bunch of things. But what is fascinating to me is how he's taken his fandom or his followers and he's taken his creativeness and monetized it in a few different ways. One, Mint Mobile. You know, a mobile company, he owns 25%. He sold that to T-Mobile for $1.35 million. Aviation Gen, he sold to Diageo for $610 million. He has his own creative agency called Maximum Effort. And what's really interesting is, you know, I think what can go wrong with influencers is like, oh yeah, we have this influencer and you do a couple posts, it doesn't work. Like when he partners with these brands or as an owner... He's like, not only am I going to be a partner with it, I'm driving the creative strategy. So his creative agency does that. And we can get into some of their stunts that they did. But what, what am I leaving? Oh, yeah. And he bought a soccer team that I believe just won their, their championship. But I mean, that is insane in addition to being an actor. Yeah. And actually, I didn't know about Mint Mobile and Aviation Gym until very recently. 
big move that I was really tracking is his acquisition, Michi of Wrexham. They're this Welsh club. They're like a non-league team. So we're actually borderline non-league because they're like fifth division. And when they achieve promotion, you reach like the big leagues and begin making money. They acquired them for $2 million, really nothing in the scope of, you know, prices for those types of teams. And the genius behind all of this is they created a partnership with Netflix where there was like behind the scenes and fly on the wall type footage where fans would follow the happenings and uh, it created a ton of momentum for them. A lot of sponsors suddenly wanted to be part of the Wrexham story because it had a lot of eyeballs on them. I feel they probably may have like, I think this is an idea they stole from Formula One. Formula One has this incredibly popular series on Netflix called Drive to Survive. And uh, this is actually a new trend where companies partner with Netflix. It's almost free distribution. Actually, you're even paid to distribute your content. It's like reality TV quality content. And there are a lot of people that would have never heard of Wrexham that couldn't care less about soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, that are suddenly following this fifth division Welsh team and they're climbing up the British hierarchy. So it's it's quite fascinating to watch. I think absolute genius in how they've executed it. Right. And it's taking his unfair advantage of he has an audience. He's really good at obviously making content and then pairing that with this asset that he bought. So he's monetizing in multiple ways. And what yeah. what's super impressive is like you've seen like I think Jerry Seinfeld did some commercials for American Express in the early days. But like Ryan Reynolds, this is taking this up a notch where there's this phrase and you and I were talking about beforehand. Did he invent this? I don't know if he did. We'll just say he did for now. They probably didn't. This idea of fast advertising where you basically take what is going on in the cultural landscape and within 24, 36, 48 hours, how can you capitalize on that with innovative marketing campaigns, right? And so with his agency, they did a campaign for Match.com where it was during 2020 when everything was blowing up and it was this funny ad around like basically the devil trying to find a companion. But why it was timely was this was when Taylor Swift was going through all those lawsuits and having to re-record her songs. And they're able to use one of the recordings of her, her love song on it. So it's one, it's a great ad, but two, it's riding the trend, right? He did the same thing with the Peloton ad with the girl that was kind of, I think her name was Monica, where she was kind of made fun of for how she was portrayed in the ad with the look of her face. And within 36 hours, his aviation gym brand did one that's like, hey, here's her after the commercial having gin, like kind of drinking away her sorrows. And then he did the same thing with the, uh, the Winnie the Pooh copyright right when it was coming up. He wrote a book, Winnie the Screwed, around Mint Mobile and did that. And that just shows like, I mean, this dude is next level, like having the speed and the chops to create that and do that. And so for me, it's like he is the the top of the pyramid with creators finding innovative ways to latch onto brands and then, you know, grow it in a in innovative way. Yeah, I think the beautiful thing about advertising is that it immediately adds personality, especially to boring things, products or services. And it's like when you're almost parodying or coattailing on something that everyone else is talking about, you become the, the talk of the town. People want to talk about that interesting thing you do. You just stand out. You're like the, the purple cow. And I think one thing I definitely want to say about this as well is like, if you feel this is out of reach, like obviously it's Ryan Reynolds, you know, Hollywood actor, you know, he could pull this off. There's an example of like Harry Dry, and I know we've discussed in the past, Jim, where 
he built it. Actually, he didn't even build it. He just built the landing page or the concept for a Kanye West dating app when it was the most, when he, when Kanye West was the most talked about person. And it finally somehow trickled up to Kanye West and his people. And they ended up actually promoting that dating app. It didn't even exist, actually. It was still a concept. So there's definitely a lot of legs here for like guerrilla type marketing and just, you know, coattailing on things that are trending and, you know, adding your own personal spin or personality to it. So it's fascinating. Yeah. Should we launch a fast advertising agency where we just look at what's trending and then we jump on trends with brands? I mean, someone should launch that and that would probably do extremely well. You just kind of need the creative chops and the speed to do something innovative. Absolutely. And I don't think... Many people are doing it. It's, and I know the few that and do it like tend to get really outsized returns for their effort. If you think of some of the best DTC brands and how they've launched over the past, let's say, decade, if you think Dollar Shave Club, it's, it's a really an outrageous video where, you know, the person has personality and kind of parodies things that people are already familiar with. It maybe creates a villain for you as well to target. In that case, it was Gillette. And just, you know, it's, it's really a, a superpower if someone really knows how to execute that. That's for sure. All right. So I think he gets an A plus on what he has done. I don't know what his net worth is. I'm sure we could Google and get something interesting, but it, it's got to be insane. All right. What do you have next on creators that have been innovative and in how they monetize their audience? The next person I have is uh, Doug DeMuro. Yeah. He's, um, I think the best word that describes is a really weird guy. He's not your typical car reviewer. I know I grew up on BBC's Top Gear. It was my favorite show when I was growing up. It was the way you'd, you know, get to learn about cars, but with a, with personality and, you know, a comedic take on, you know, reviewing cars. It wasn't just stale. And he's kind of done the same thing, but with a very bare bones operation, he's built his YouTube channel to almost 5 million subscribers at this stage. He still, to this day, uses just an iPhone to review cars and has built a super loyal following. Again, mostly because of his unique personality. And this is something that will come to later on when, when we get to the takeaways. But, you know, personality is really important. And uh, he's taken this and rolled it into, he's deplatformed his audience from YouTube to create cars and bids. It's, it's a platform for car enthusiasts. So this is not your average person trying to buy a Honda for, for commuting. It's the person who wants, you know, the 92 model, you know, Toyota Supra or something like that. And uh, it's built a huge following. And the company has grown dramatically. I think we've had over 10,000 auctions since launch. And it happened just around the start of COVID. And if you know what happened with the car market in 2020, just completely exploded and so did cars and bits. And, you know, they, they've raised $37 million, um, sold to a private, like, that stake was sold to a private equity company. And I think the fascinating part about this a backstory when I was doing some research is there's an entrepreneur who, kind of latches on to these trends and, you know, influencers who already built the most difficult thing about a business, which is distribution and an audience and built the, you know, the company that latches on to that, that person, that identity. And this entrepreneur is now, you know, partnering with Dr. Miro to, to build up this, this big company. I think this is one of those companies that easily hit, you know, unicorn status if it's, you know, properly executed and, and something that they're doing right now. So fascinating how a single person with an iPhone can outrank a huge, you know, show that's been running for over 30, 30 years, probably at this stage with the funds of BBC. So it's crazy how that's possible in this day and age with, you know, with YouTube and all these other platforms. Yeah, it's worth calling out that like, again, he does it with his iPhone. And I think why it works is one, his personality 
And he knows his audience because I was listening to an interview, maybe it was my first million that he did, around what worked really well for him was because he was doing like cool old vintage cars. He started with his cars and that. But then he started doing new cars and basically reviews of what people are thinking of buying. And he does it in a way where it's like what people care about. And that's when things really took off. Because I think it's easy. It's like, oh, if I'm going to do a YouTube channel, I need to have the best camera, the best lighting, all this. But he really just focused on like the actual content and like what people wanted. And he just has taken that to uh, to a whole nother stratosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This one's one which I think we'll definitely be talking more about him. And I think this is the model for a lot of YouTube creators nowadays where you take your passion, that thing that you talk about, and you build a company on the side. You've already, you know, identified the audience and uh, you can literally out-compete like established giants. In this case, you know, other companies like uh, where cars are sold. So fascinating to watch. Yeah, we'll come back to takeaways, but I think he chose the right market too because people will pay a lot of money to you if you're going to give reviews to buy a a Honda versus a Honda versus a Tesla or something. So I'm going to bundle the next two because I think in a line, there's there's two big ones that people know about, but I think it's worth bundling them because... I think they chose the right product, even though one might be a little more saturated now. But obviously, George Clooney and what he did with Casamigos selling that for $1 billion and why I think that's the right product. You know, he's like, he was like forever the bachelor's bachelor, sexiest man in the world, living this amazing lifestyle, pairing that with a tequila that supports that lifestyle, right? So it's like the right product creator fit. The other one with that is obviously like Dr. Dre and Beats by Dre. Where, you know, who better to make a high quality headphone to think through the use case than Dr. Gray, not to mention the network that he has for it. Because I think a lot of times people might just do a product to do a product, but you want it to align with that aspirational lifestyle or the specialty of the person. And those are two where it looks very obvious now that they did that really well. Then you see a lot of people that kind of started to copy them as far as like, oh, I need to have my own alcohol brand. Yeah, that's 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 definitely fascinating. You are right, though. I think the person and the product they decided to launch, I think, has to be a perfect match. If Dr. Drew was going to release sneakers, I don't necessarily think that would have worked. But in that case, yeah, you're totally right. That's, that's fascinating. Only he can produce, as a producer, high-quality headphones. So totally makes sense. Nice. All right. What do you have next? Person I have next is uh, probably the most impressive one, I think, on this list. And I found out about this very late, actually. Reese Witherspoon started her book club in 2017. Really wanted to recommend some overlooked books that she was passionate about, like that had heroines and, you know, stories that she really wanted to promote. And she's since grown the book club to 2.5 million subscribers, maybe even more. Uh, now has a, obviously an email list, not just on Instagram. And the trick here is that she's used that leverage to negotiate exclusive rights. She shops that around to major platforms, like all of them from Netflix to Disney+. And then without using any of her money, she gets them to commit to the production of content. And keep in mind that she's those authors that she's promoting on her huge platform, she signs exclusive rights to convert those books or stories into shows or movies. And she has exclusive rights. She shops that around, uses other people's money to produce it. Uh, and then, you know, obviously streams it on all these platforms. And she showed that production company for over a billion dollars. And what makes this fascinating is just how this is a hobby. 
she is just the connector in all of this. She's not necessarily doing anything. She's sharing books that she finds she finds interesting. She's obviously leveraged her popularity to build the book load, um, but she takes other people's money to build the shows. As someone from Hollywood, that gives her a lot of credibility as well with many of these platforms, and she negotiates exclusive rights with all these stories that she is making popular at the same time. So like those rights become more valuable the moment she decides to feature that book because she's, you know, putting it in front of 2.5 million subscribers and like passionate subscribers as well. So this is really, I think one of the few incidents I've seen someone really taking a passion and converting it into billions in the most efficient way possible without really, you know, risking any capital in any of these steps. And it's just, Fascinating. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's pretty impressive too. Like just having the audience, you're going deeper in your relationship with them with the book recommendations. You're creating that reoccurring connection and it becomes the byproduct of you wanting to find amazing scripts and content that you would want to make into movies. It's I, I get really impressed when people can combine different things that they're that they're doing. Are you a business owner in desperate need of talent, but you have issues finding good people? Or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double what you have budgeted. Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where Remotely Talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you A-plus talent, and here's the best part, it costs you 40 or even 80% less than US employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, website development, customer service. Their team sources the top Ukrainian talent for you and they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the Children's Hospital in Ukraine. At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation. See if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose. All right. The, the next one that I have, I'd say this is like a, a one-two punch. I might butcher this name, so I apologize. I think it's Vani Hari, who she had this massive blog around the food babe where she like led this crusade for healthy food and clean ingredients where she was monetizing in all the traditional ways a creator would, where with its cook with cookbooks and meal plans and affiliates. Well, what she did was like, let me launch my own kind of health supplement company with plant-based protein and everything. But she also partnered with Derek Halpern, who was like an OG in direct response digital marketing, where they become this dream team to build this like eight-figure approaching nine-figure, essentially like health food supplements company. And so I think one, it's like going outside the norm of like monetizing from e-products to having real product, but two, finding the right partners for collaboration is is super impressive here. Because I mean, I see them everywhere in all the grocery stores, and I think they've been around for maybe three years. So that's one that I, I kind of look to as a, as a blueprint. Interesting. I didn't know they were actually a distribution to grocery stores already. That's, that's fascinating. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I get my Trivani every week at Metro Market here in Magnolia. <laughs> Fascinating. The next person is actually, I think everyone knows, uh, Kim Kardashian. And the reason I think I call this one out is 
is just an example of someone who has stopped doing licensing in the past when she initially had popularity and fame. It's, it's quick cash. Uh, to, it's, I think, an efficient way to leverage popularity to make you know money. But I think her shift to equity deals has made it fascinating where I think the examples with Skims, she did a collaboration with Fendi and obviously driving urgency, they sold out millions of dollars worth of inventory in just 60 seconds. And it got me thinking as I was doing some research on this, like, Imagine if the Jordan brand was not, was, was an equity deal where he owned the brand outright and, um, you know, continued growing it over the years. Uh, imagine where that would be right now. He just gets a share of revenue, which is still a sizable amount. I think it's like $250 million a year, plus or minus based on current revenue. But it's, this is a new trend where I wouldn't say a new trend, but I think a shift where people are becoming more business savvy. And have shifted to doing more equity deals. And with that, even a small exit on, you know, even, you know, mediocre revenue can definitely give you outsized returns. But in the case of, you know, previous people built huge brands, I think George Foreman as well, don't necessarily get the same level of payout. So it's something to keep in mind. What's interesting at the time with Jordan, like it was kind of innovative where they did that deal with Nike because it was a, a business shit. owner in then, desperate need of talent. You know, now we you have issues finding good their, people. Their or worse, you find the talent, ownership, but, but then it's, it's interesting to see well, you have budget. Yeah. I have, this so, is where remotely talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds A-plus talent. And here's the best part. It costs you 40 or even 80% less. There's US two employee, it's mad. John so let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, or Google ads, like email marketing, B2B website development, customer service. Their team sources the top Ukrainian talent lot for you and they deliver three hot vetted candidates in box. Really it's a one-time kind of payment. Like, and best you know, yet, the they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the Children's Hospital in Ukraine. It's right At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired people I am blown away the by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Revenue. Go to RemotelyTalents.com so right now and start a conversation to see if they can help. You really I think they did a phenomenal job on landing the plane on what is the right product or software to build for their audience that they could then monetize. And so for me, that those two, I, I look at that. I'm like, okay, great kind of founder product fit. Actually, one that's B2B or maybe even B2C to some extent is software company is ClickFunnels, a Russell Johnson. Yeah. I've been studying it for quite a while. What makes him fascinating, I remember even him documenting the process of building the software. And they went from zero to seven figures within like on launch, really right out of the gate. And you just have so much authority in their space as direct marketers. And they built a huge following that it was a no brainer for them to build that tool. And uh, they've since acquired magnetic marketing by, I uh, forget the name of something Kennedy. I can't believe I'm forgetting his first name. Dan Kennedy? Dan Kennedy. Thank you. Dan uh, Kennedy. But, uh, and they've taken all that material out of it added it as lead magnets and, you know, top of funnel, you know, like ways of attracting the right people. And they, at the bottom of the funnel, it's selling them click funnel subscriptions. And they've built an unbelievable business doing that. I think it's on path or if not already a unicorn. So just fascinating to watch that. That's a really good one because they, they did that before Nathan and Brennan. I mean, click funnels is huge. He has that annual conference where you get to hold the plaque on stage for how many people 
you tricked into upselling. So yeah, well done there. Okay, cool. What I think you have a couple more here. What do you have? Or you have one more, which is that's yeah. a big one. Yeah, Mr. Beast. Obviously, they're their products that he's well known for. I should say services, Beastables and Beast Burger, which is really one of the greatest innovation innovations in you know food retail. But I think even more impressive than that, I think is there's this company behind them and other creators as well called Spotter. They're a VC for creators. They buy the music catalogs of, you know, well-known artists like Bruce Springsteen and many others, even Bob Marley, if I'm not mistaken. And they've also like now spending a lot more time and energy in acquiring the back catalog of YouTubers. So Mr. Beast sold, you know, a significant portion of his back catalog to them for a large sum of money. It helps finance, it helped finance his Spanish learning channel. And that grew his viewership by 300%, which obviously generated more revenue for him. But now he has taken that service of converting his content into a Spanish channel in many other languages, by the way, and now offering that as its unique service to other creators. So other creators are using Mr. B's service to, to which called to grow into these other languages that have huge population. And what they're actually doing is like the, the voice actors are the types of the, like the person will be doing Spider-Man in in, in let's say Spanish or something like that. And they're hiring him to do the voiceover for Mr. Beast video. And that's generating a ton of revenue. And that's now become a new service with, you know, enormous upside potential. So it's just fascinating how he's managed to convert one success into, you know, several rounds of success back to back. But yeah, one of the best examples for sure. Yeah, that one, talk about one that like gets into the cultural landscape over and like creates a trend, like his stuff is huge. So... Let's pick on some celebrities or creators that are under monetizing their audience. I'll go actually, I'll let you go first on this one. Who do you who do you want to pick on first? The first person that came to mind actually was Joe Rogan. And that's because I know he has he's obviously made a ton of money, you know, moving to Spotify. And uh, he has I forget the name of the brand, but something that he's launched with Aubrey Marcus. It's, I think, doing, you know, well into the nine figures as well. Mm -hmm. He is the Oprah of this generation and he should definitely be, you know, building and owning and operating things like many times the scale that he currently is doing. He has a massive loyal audience of probably the most valuable demographic. And I think it's completely underutilized. I think he could be doing a lot more with that. But again, maybe that's not something he's trying to optimize for. And that's not, uh, you know, his biggest priority. And I'm yeah. saying that's bracket would be like Tim Ferriss, someone who also has pretty much the same or similar audience. He's built it over a very long time with an enormous reputation. And I feel he's kind of under monetized and maybe even gone under the radar a little bit, at least recently, I would say for sure. Yeah. And I feel like Joe Rogan, obviously you could do an amazing supplements kind of health company. Tim Ferriss, I feel like he should have started Shopify or some sort of like equivalent to go from employee to entrepreneur. One that I had, I just try to push myself on like the B2B. I'll do two real quick. The Acquired Podcast Guys. They have an amazing podcast that has not the biggest audience, but maybe the most valuable. They should be launching essentially the equivalent of micro acquired or acquire a SaaS tool, a platform to find and buy companies, that would be, I think, an amazing opportunity for them because they're obviously doing a great job monetizing through ad revenue and through their, their community. But I think there's a huge software play here 
The other B2B one I'll go with is Ben Thompson of Stratechery that has probably the go-to newsletter in tech that has all the you know, VC companies and whatnot on it. Like he should be doing a, a modern day version of either like Bloomberg and the Bloomberg terminals or like CB Insights with what he's doing. So I think that one is might be the biggest like under monetization opportunity there, if that's even a phrase or a word. But but who else do you have? I'll jump into sports for a bit and I'll say two of the goats in by far the most popular sport in the world, Messi and Ronaldo. Again, they go back into, you know, doing a lot of licensing and one-off brand deals, but they really haven't built anything with equity. They have a, one of the most devoted follower base in the world. People that literally fall the knees to kiss their feet, which no one else gets that kind of treatment nowadays. And it's a global audience. So I think that that's definitely something they've definitely both under monetized for sure. Something out, and then another person I'd call next to them. Well, you got to pitch an idea. What would you monetize if you're them? A sugar brand or something like that. Something yeah. that is exclusively theirs, right? Like the Jordan version, but for soccer or something related to that. Quite frankly, I think it could be anything. They could move into any space. Like game recognition that they don't even have to stay in sports. There's they could just, uh, it could be anything, quite literally anything under the sun, and, and it would sell like hotcakes. Pirat Kohil, he's an Indian cricket player. Actually, I'm sure like no one in the West really knows him. Cricket is one of the most popular sports in the world, just because a few countries that really passionately follow it have high population, like we're talking India, Pakistan, and things like that. And he has a higher or bigger Instagram follower than LeBron James, for example. I think he's one of the most followed people in the world and very similar in the whole Messi, Ronaldo thing where I feel he's maybe under monetized his the has name recognition and equity and on all of that. So again, and he's also the type of person, at least in that in that sphere where he's known, it, it it's definitely limited. It's not as as expensive as a Messi or Ronaldo, but uh, he I don't feel has as monetized that either. Uh, man, I didn't realize I've got to look outside my little window of the U.S. That's insane. All right, I'll rattle off my final three. I think you're going to have opinions on this first one. First is James Clear. Love his new newsletter. Love Atomic Habits. That dude needs to, he doesn't even monetize his newsletter. Guy is leaving so much money on the table. He's very thoughtful. And so there's probably a good reason why. He needs a product. I think he needs a wearable product, like a habits tracker is what he should be doing. Or it's some sort of a mattress or a cold plunge tank. I don't know. The second one, Taylor Swift. I mean, good Lord. Like I would argue she has the most engaged audience or passionate one. This one is obvious. She needs to launch a Ticketmaster competitor and she starts with her audience and any other Swifty performers. That's a big one. And then the final one I have is Bill Simmons, formerly of ESPN of Grantland. He then had The Ringer. He sold that, I think, for a quarter billion to Spotify for his whole podcast network. But that guy should be having essentially DraftKings or some sort of gambling website is what he should be doing. So anyway... Those are my final three of creators with under-monetized audiences. You know, if Taylor Swift's audience were of voting age, she could definitely run for president. <laughs> Without a doubt, it would be a landslide. And actually, the other person I was thinking of mentioning is actually Donald Trump. And it sounds foolish to say this about a billionaire who's already achieved a ton of success. But with his level of, you know, like followership, can you imagine, like, I know, I know a few like, you know, veterans and things like that that have built huge brands around, you know, the conservative base. 
and they built like, you know, nine figures and, and things like that. But I think, I know this Donald Trump is definitely not, probably not optimizing for this at this stage of his life and his career and his success. But I feel like there's just so much more that, that could have been done there. But yeah, that's, that's another person I'll throw in there, although that's probably a bit controversial. Well, what's funny, he started as a business person and then obviously built his audience. I mean, he had like Trump stakes, Trump Academy, obviously commercial real estate and hotels. He has Truth Social. He's got a social platform. So I don't know how that's performing. Um, yeah. Okay, let's, let's do our takeaways from this. So it's like, okay, that's great, Jim and Jonathan, how these people that have millions of followers, how they monetize it. What are the, the big takeaways here? What, what do you want to start with? It's, I, I recently heard a YouTube creator, Dan Coe, say that everyone is really a category of one. And everyone really has a unique story and advantage and a perspective. And if people were to really follow that to the extreme and create something of value for the rest of the world to follow, then I think it's definitely possible to create a business out of it. There's this person on YouTube that I used to follow. I couldn't find it when I did the research, but he used to, he used to review and create his own slingshots. And that was his fascination. I believe he was either German or Austrian, and he had this little shed in the back of his home where he just sit there and make it and shave it down and, you know, just demonstrate using it. And he had a loyal following where people would order the slingshots, the custom slingshots he was making, and he was building a sizable business. And it's, it's so possible where slingshot makers in remote parts of Germany and Austria can build massive businesses. I think everyone has a shot. And I think I've seen enough on the internet where like there's city planners, for example, for small towns, cities in America, creating content about their unique findings and their day-to-day experience and work. And if you build huge followings and now they kind of give career guidance to other people, they build businesses out of this. And I mean, this is probably the most promising thing I think about the world going forward. I feel like everyone has a chance of creating their own mini brand and building something that's exciting. I mean, it doesn't mean you're great to be the next Ryan Reynolds or Reese Witherspoon, but I think in, in our own unique worlds, we can definitely create something. I think the the greatest threat to this obviously is like people trying to be conformists and wanting to be like everyone else instead of really standing out and feeling comfortable in their own skin. Uh, but I think if uh, there's definitely a big opportunity there, there, that's, that's the one thing that came across to me as we were doing research here. Yeah. And that, that's super interesting. And I also like with your example of uh, Doug DeMauro with cars and bids, it's like, go where the money is. Guess what? If you're reviewing which car to buy and someone's going to make a 20, 40, $100,000 purchase, you can bet that the manufacturers and all the other stakeholders involved are going to want to like give you ad revenue or eventually buy you. The other one is maybe go B2B rather than B2C because while the audience can be smaller, I think the monetization at the end of it could be just as big as some of those D2C or B2C ones because that's such a different level of scale you have to achieve when you're selling, you know, products that are fifty to hundred dollars versus selling SaaS or, or or software as a service or other things. The final one was we had someone on this podcast, Craig Swanson, where he would look for creators that had a massive audience that had not yet been monetized with e-products or other products. And that was people he would partner with because like these people knew how to create amazing content and build a following, but they didn't know how to monetize it. So maybe you don't have to build the audience. You become that monetization engine that you could bolt on to. to, to. And I think that is a really interesting opportunity. 
for people to partner with creators. Yeah, I think you fit it on the head, Jim. That's probably one of the best takeaways for sure, is if you already go to someone who's already built that audience, you've kind of cut out the most difficult part of that business building process. The last one I think I would say is like, I think we need to transition or pivot into a fast advertising agency. That's like, there's just so much opportunity there. It's the one thing that everyone craves is that audience. And I think that's a skill set we should definitely start thinking about. I know as we want to do these stunts, we should really just, you can even try and predict trends. It's like, okay, the Super Bowl is coming up. You know, there's going to be some crazy things going on there. It's like, okay, there's going to be heat waves going on in New York in the summertime. Or like, well, like, what are those trends you could just kind of be prepared for? And obviously some are very unpredictable. But I think that stuff would be really fun. We got to try and pull off a stunt around some sort of fast advertising tactic. It might even be worth doing like research. Like what is the best marketing stunt agency? Do you know by any chance? Or a firm? Or I have no idea if that's even a thing. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think there's a firm that necessarily specializes in just creating stunts for brands to get as many, you know, mentions or, you know, eyeballs or impressions as possible. And yeah. there's a huge opportunity if you think about it, right? It's, it costs so little, yet the upside is so high. It's taking an asymmetrical bet every time you put something out. I feel like mm-hmm. anyone that's like, that deserves a significant portion of marketing spend if you think about it. So here's what you do. You're like, we're a fast advertising agency. You signed a 12-month contract to have us on call. Some months we do nothing. Other months we are prepared to go big. We charge like 40K a month. And we just do two to five stunts a year. And we have no guarantee on results or metrics, but we will be your fast advertising agency. And then we just, we need to have some really good copywriters, some video editors, and some people on call to pull this stuff off. That sounds like the dream. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. (laughs) All the money, no responsibility of delivering metrics. Yeah. We offer two months straight. You want to hear from us then? Uh, Dan, that's that's right there. We'll see if we can pull it off. Well, cool, man. Well, this was a fun one. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Jim. I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, If you need help growing your business, check out GrowthHit. GrowthHit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthHit has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Are you a business owner in desperate need of talent, but you have issues finding good people? Or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double what you have budgeted. Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where Remotely Talents can help. 
Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you A plus talent, and here's the best part, it costs you 40 or even 80% less than US employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, website development, customer service. Their team sources the top Ukrainian talent for you and they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the Children's Hospital in Ukraine. At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation. See if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose.